Now, for the last two weeks, we have been digging into the thoughts of God and the activity of God in regards to miracles. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, by the way, if you've missed any of these, you can go right online, Victory Lakeland, uh, Victory Church, Lakeside Village, and you can uh, go and you can uh, watch online or listen online, download to a podcast if you miss uh, the previous two weeks. But two weeks ago, we talked about miracles of deliverance. And I'm not going to rehash that because we talked about that in great detail a couple of weeks ago. And then uh, last Sunday, we talked about miracles of protection. Uh, both of those are available. Now, this morning, I want us to journey together and once again realize this, that our God is a God, as I said a few moments ago, our God is a God that provides miracles. And throughout the scriptures, when you read the Bible, when you go through the Bible, we discover numerous miracles of healing again and again. Now, I'm going to show you a lot of scripture today, and I can talk quick, even though you know I'm from Georgia. I'm the rare exception that I'm from Georgia, and I can still talk fast. So if you listen fast, I'm going to talk fast because I've got a lot of scriptures. Uh, I want us to see in the next few moments before we're done. But this particular verse is not on the screen but I want to read it to you as we begin. This is out of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. And it says this, it says, Jesus went around doing good. I want you to think about that. Jesus went around doing good. And then listen to what uh, it said next and healing everyone and healing everyone who was under the power of the devil. You see, most everywhere that Jesus went, we're going to mention some exceptions because Jesus didn't always heal everybody, and we're going to talk about that, and we need to talk about it, and there's reasons why. Uh, Jesus sometimes did not perform miracles, and maybe you've never thought about it, but you're going to see it in the next few moments, but for the most part, everywhere that Jesus went, he brought healing with him. I encourage you sometime when you're reading through the New Testament, just take maybe a different color highlighter, and anything that has to do with Jesus healing people or setting people free. You're delivering people. Maybe you'd underline that, and you'll see again and again where Jesus would bring to pass these amazing miracles, where Jesus would touch somebody that, were bl that was blind, and, and he would open blind eyes, and he would cause lame people to walk, and he would cause people who were deaf to be able to hear. Jesus even raised the dead. We see examples of that again and again, where he did all these kind of miracles. He did miracles among his own followers. I mean, just think about it. How many of you have ever read that time where Jesus actually healed the mother-in-law of one of his apostles, the apostle Peter, Simon Peter. Jesus actually healed Peter's mother-in-law. Can you imagine? Which is why Peter later denied Jesus three times. But that's, a, no, that, that's not true. That just slipped out. That's not true. The scholars would not agree on that. It just slipped out. So I'm sorry. It just sort of happened. But uh, hear this. There is absolutely nothing when you look at the scriptures and when you realize what is true today, there is absolutely nothing that Jesus is unable to do. There is no miracle. And you need to know this in your own life, in your own personal situation, in your own family, in your own workplace. There is no miracle that Jesus cannot perform. And there is no body that Jesus cannot heal, no mind he cannot touch. I want you to look with me on the screen. This is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. I want you to look at what Paul says. He says, now all glory to God who is able, able through his mighty power. Look at those three words. Through his mighty power at work within us. Look at this next uh, phrase. To accomplish infinitely more. See, you 
you've got to realize that what you're asking uh, God to do in your life, that God is able to do infinitely more than that. He's able to do way beyond what you're asking him to do, infinitely more than we might ask or think. There is nothing that Jesus cannot do. Now, I mentioned to you last Sunday that I can't explain this because I don't know the answer to it, why some people are healed right here on earth while other people are not healed until they set foot in heaven. Now, I, I don't know what that does for you, for me personally. That does not cause me to doubt God. That does not make me feel that God is unable to heal, not at all. And I've seen this, um, you know, in my own family. And I start thinking about so many of you that have lost moms uh, recently. It could just go right down the list. So many of you, it's just unique. How many of you have lost your moms recently? And, and I, because I've talked about it quite a lot, uh, just losing my mom. A couple of years ago, when at the age of 69, 68, 69, mom was diagnosed with uh, Lewy body dementia. And she passed away a couple of years ago, and we just earnestly prayed. Our whole family were praying. Aunts and uncles and cousins and our siblings and stepdad. We we're just all praying that that God would heal mom and that we would that God would heal her here on earth. That's what we wanted. We just wanted more time. You know, 70 years is a long time in many respects. But, you know, selfishly, we want a lot more time than that. And, you know, since uh, mom's been passed, I've just so many times just wished that I was driving back over to the Tampa airport to pick her up as she had flown down from Atlanta. And, just, and we were asking, praying, believing, trusting God to heal mom here on earth. But it didn't happen. And I'll never forget as long as I lived. The Sunday afternoon, I was at the church office there on the north side, and I was working, doing a few things, getting, getting ready to wrap up uh, my day. And uh, my phone rang. I looked down. Uh, I just recently had been to uh, Atlanta to see mom, and I knew that mom wasn't well and getting near the end. And, and I saw that it was my sister calling me. And as soon as I said hello, this is, this is what she said verbatim. She said, Jeff, do you want to know where your mama is? And I said, Yes. Uh, and she said, your mom is in heaven. Mom, mom just passed. It just passed a couple of minutes prior to that. Now, I don't understand. It made sense to me for Jesus to just go ahead and heal her, give her a little more time here on earth. But God had a different plan. Does that cause me to be angry or frustrated with God? Not at all. Now, there's a big thought that I'd like for us to consider today, and I'm so excited to get into this with you and to pray with you at the end of the service that God would do a miracle in your life, but there's a big thought that I want us to deal with. A lot of people would not want to talk about this. A lot of people would not want to mention this or hear about this or even think about this, but it's totally okay for us to admit, and I want you to realize that it's totally okay for us to admit that there are things that we simply do not know. We don't know, like I was mentioning with mom's loss. And we don't know because we're not God. And there's things we're never going to know until we get to heaven. So here's that big thought. All right, here it is. And then we're going to talk about it. You ready? God does heal. Do you agree with that? God does heal, but he does not heal everyone all the time. Isn't that true? Does God heal? Absolutely. I still believe. I lost my, I still believe. I still believe. But he doesn't always heal everybody and he doesn't do it all the time. Now, does that mean that God does not care? Does it mean that he is not good? Does it mean that he is not able? No way. Not a chance. Absolutely not. It does not mean any of those things. We still believe that God is able to heal. I was thinking about it uh, while I was working on this, this talk recently. When uh, I was in high school, my grandmother, 
uh, got me a job in the hospital that she had, had worked at since Moses was in middle school. Uh, Memo, I'd worked at the hospital for a long time, so when I turned 16, uh, I wanted to get a job because I wanted to be able to buy a car, and my grandmother uh, got me a job at the hospital, and I was a transporter in the x-ray department. Now, a couple of years later, they'd moved me up to brain surgery, but for the first couple of years, it was just transporting patients, and uh, I can remember, and I was thinking about it this week, and it just sort of hit me. I can remember, I, I'd get ready every day. I'd go to school during the day, and then I worked a 3 to 11 shift. I'd go into 3 at the afternoon, work till 11 that night, and I did that Monday through Friday. And I can remember uh, getting ready for work when I'd get in from school, and I wore all white, white shirt, white pants, white tennis shoes, white belt. Why, I mean, I actually, if you had seen a picture of me, I didn't bring one purposely, but if you saw a picture, you'd, see, you'd say, I, I don't know that you worked at the hospital because you look like the ice cream man. So, uh, but every day when I got ready, uh, I just had a little box, and I would go and get three copies. I had the Gospel of John. And I would just put it in my pocket. It was the Gospel of John and uh, three copies, always three copies. And at the end of it was, was a prayer of salvation. And uh, during that time, and I, I you know, I, I wasn't planning on being a pastor. I wasn't like, hey, because I'm a pastor, I need to be doing this. I'd planned on going into business. At that point in my life, I wasn't thinking ministry. I was thinking a business career. And then I would pray as I'd be transporting these patients up and down, you know, down to x-ray, back up to their room. I'd be praying, God, show me three people today who I need to give this little gospel of John to. And um, boy, if I just felt prompted by God, like this is one of the ones, I'd, I'd just take a moment and I'd just say as I was helping them get back into the bed, I'd say, hey, listen, I just want to leave this with you and read it. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And I'd just get the wheelchair and leave and go back downstairs. Later, I had a really, really good friend. His name's Clyde, African-American buddy, just really, really good friend. And, and Clyde was a nurse's assistant. I was a transportation guy. And Clyde and I would get together and we would, you know, we'd talk about our faith, our relationship with Jesus, and just try to challenge each other to grow spiritually. And, and then Clyde, I think it was at his initiative, I was already giving out the gospel of, of John. You know, later I'd have to stop. I don't know if somebody complained or what, but later, you know, and I certainly complied. They're like, hey, you can't do it anymore. Okay, but hey, let me just say this. I got out a lot of the gospel of John before they made me stop. I got out a lot of the gospel of John and just believing that a lot of people prayed that prayer at the end of the gospel of John. But they made me stop that. And then Clyde and I, uh, Clyde said, I think we need to start praying for people. And so uh, we'd do that. We were just people that I had taken back or people that he knew because of the floor that he worked on, fourth floor at the hospital. Clyde would say, hey, I think we need to pray for so-and-so. And, and so I would meet him. And certainly I wasn't being negligent of my job, but I'd meet him when I had a few moments. And Clyde would say, hey, let's go down to room 448 or whatever the case would be. This is the patient. And we'd walk in there and, and we would pray. I was 16, 17 years of age. Clyde was maybe in his early 20s. And we'd just go in and we'd just say, hey, we believe that Jesus Jesus heals, and would it be okay if we would pray with you? And the vast, vast majority of the time, people would, people would say, yes, that's fine. They would be welcoming. We're like, hey, we're, we're not the chaplain. <laughs> we're not the chaplain, just so you know, but we just want to pray for you. Is that okay? And you know what? We saw God touch people. Was everybody healed? Absolutely not, but a lot of people were healed. 
And we believe that, that Jesus, and I still believe it these years later, that Jesus is a miracle working Jesus. And so when Jesus would heal somebody, Clyde and I would rejoice in that. When somebody was not healed, that did not rattle or destroy my faith, even though I was in the rookie league of being a Christian. I'd only been a Christian for a few months. Now, why didn't it rattle my faith? Because I knew enough about the Bible I was raised in church, got away in my teenage years, but I was raised in church, and I knew that in the scriptures that, uh, that Jesus would heal again and again. So, uh, you know, it didn't cause me to doubt God when somebody wasn't, uh, you know, healed or blamed God or, you know, with losing mom, losing my dad, losing my grandmother. I've never become angry with God about any of those kind of things. Uh, but I just knew enough about the Bible to know there are plenty of examples of, of scriptures when God would heal somebody instantly and supernaturally, but on other occasions, because I was somewhat familiar with the Bible, even as a teenager, I knew that there were times when he did not for whatever reason, and that's God's business. That's not mine. I'm not, I'm not God. The best thing you and I can do is get up in the morning, walk into the bathroom, look in the mirror, and say, thank God I'm not God, all right? <laughs> thank God I'm not God. And there's just admitting and being okay with it. There's things we don't understand. And I knew from the scriptures, I knew that Paul, I had heard about it when I was a kid, that Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Now, I didn't know what that thorn in his flesh was, and still scholars today sort of talk about what it could have been. Uh, a lot of them believe that it was a physical abnormality of some. Paul talks about his vision. You know, later he'd have somebody else write his letters. I don't know if you've noticed that before. Paul would say at the end of a letter, sometimes look for this next time you're reading, he'd say, and I pen this with my own hands. Other times, it would be like somebody that he would dictate to, and a lot of Scholars believe that Paul's vision became impaired in, in a growing fashion over time or some kind of physical abnormality. But Paul had a thorn in his flesh, and he prayed to Jesus to remove it. Not once, not twice, but three times. And God just said, you know what? I'm not going to remove it, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it there for a while, but I want you to know that my grace is sufficient for you. So, Paul, where you're weak, I'm going to make you strong. And I knew that. So it didn't rattle my rookie league of faith, just getting started out as a Christian. I knew that a mentor, uh, you know, that Paul was a mentor to a young protege, young up-and-coming pastor by the name of, of Timothy. And I'd read in the scriptures before, I don't know what of all of his problems, but Timothy had some sort of, uh, some sort of stomach ailment. Now, the next one I had not seen until I was an adult, but uh, later you read uh, that, that there was, and this is what Paul was talking about. This is in a letter that he wrote, the second letter that he wrote to Timothy. And this is what he said. This is interesting. And he said, Paul, who is powerfully used by God to heal people. And yet he says in 2 Timothy 4, he said, I left Trophimus, the guy's name, I left Trophimus uh, sick in Miletus. So you'd say, well, why didn't Paul just heal him and take him with him? And we don't know the answer to that. We don't know why uh, Timothy had uh, stomach problems. We don't know why Paul, you know, had a thorn in his flesh. So what do we do when we know for certain it's really important that God can heal, but sometimes he just doesn't do it for whatever reason. Now, uh, as you read and study the scriptures, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but I think it's worthy of, of mentioning. Uh, when you read the Bible and you see that there are times where Jesus just simply would not perform a miracle. He just wouldn't do it. 
And, uh, and I want to just quickly mention, you may want to jot this down somewhere, and we'll see some scriptures on the screen in regard to this, but there are times when Jesus just basically refused to do a miracle. And, and I'll give you three rather quick reasons. Number one, Jesus refused to perform miracles to prove himself. He wouldn't do a miracle just to prove himself. Now, this is, this is Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, and I want you to look at this. The Pharisees came to Jesus and began to ask him questions, hoping to trap him. They asked Jesus, look at this phrase, they asked Jesus for what? A miracle from God. Jesus sighed deeply. Have you ever thought about that? You see, do you, you ever envision Jesus just, you know, sighing deeply and said, why do you people ask for a miracle as a sign? Look at what Jesus said. I'll tell you the truth. Read the rest of this with me, will you? No sign will be given to you. No sign will be given to you. Why? Jesus was not going to perform miracles to, to prove himself. Timothy Keller is a brilliant writer. He's, uh, he's a great theologian, and, um, and he's written some fantastic books, sort of heady books, and so it takes me about three years to read one. But uh, he says this, a great book that he's written called The Reason for God. And in it, Timothy Keller says this, Jesus' miracles in particular were never magic tricks designed only to impress and coerce. You never see Jesus saying something like this, see that tree over there? Watch me make it burn into flames. Instead, he used miraculous power to heal the sick, feed the hungry, and raise the dead. Why? And then Keller says this, we modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger, and death in it. Jesus has come. This is such a powerful statement. Jesus has come to redeem where it is wrong and heal the world where it is broken. His miracles are not just proofs that he has power, but also wonderful foretaste of what, is, what he is going to do with that power. So there are, there are times where Jesus just say, I'm not, I'm not going to perform a miracle. I'm just not going to do it. And he wasn't going to do it, you know, to prove himself. And certainly not as he was in the Pharisees being tested. All right. Here's another reason why Jesus sometimes would not perform a miracle. Often Jesus would not perform a miracle if it stood in the way of God's ultimate plan. All right. You got to understand that Jesus would not perform a miracle if it got in the way of the plan of God. Now, I'm going to show you an example of this and what is unique about this. How many of you are with me? Wave your hand, all right? Are you with me? I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, a lot of thoughts, but uh, in this occasion, Jesus chooses, it's interesting to me, Jesus in the same kind of setting chooses to do a miracle and right thereafter chooses not to do a miracle. Now, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is being arrested, when he's being betrayed by Judas. They come to him. Most of you have read that account in the Gospels. Now, I, I want you to look. I mentioned Simon Peter earlier. I want you to look at this up here on the screen. It's John 18. Simon Peter had brought along a sword. Now, this is in the moment. It's all going down. Jesus is being arrested. He's about to be taken to this bogus trial. He, he being Peter, now pulled out the sword and struck at the servant of the high priest. Now, uh, I went back and was reading this. This is, this is language I think we need to pay attention to. Struck at the servant of the high priest. 
The servant's name was Malchus, and Peter, let's read this together, cut off his right ear. The Bible's interesting, isn't it? Now, you know, uh, Simon Peter was not a professional fighter. What was he vocationally? He was a fisherman. I, I don't think he was well equipped with a sword. Maybe he was more equipped with a sword than I think. Let me tell you what I think happened. I think he meant to hit him right in the head with a sword. To kill him. So he was high on passion, bad on aim, and he only cut off the guy's ear. <laughs> he cut off his ear. <laughs> right there. And, and Jesus, well, let's, let's look at what happens next. Look at this next part. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? I could ask that. I could ask him to do that miracle right now. And he would send them, how soon? Instantly. Look at this phrase now. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? If I asked God to send thousands of angels to get us out of this situation, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Because the scriptures, this is part of the scriptures, and I've got to be arrested. In fact, he had prophesied of his own arrest and that he was going to be handed over into the hands of wicked people. He's going to be crucified. He was going to die, and he's going to be raised again the third day. He said, you know, how would the scripture be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? So he's like, all right, all right. In one moment, he's going to do a miracle. All right? So he's like, Peter, come on. You know what? You're a lousy shot, by the way, Peter. But, you know, I understand. Where's the ear? Has anybody seen the ear? And the guy's just standing there, and he's like, my ear. And he's like bleeding, you know. And where's my ear? And Jesus says, is that his ear under the bush there? And, you know, somebody grabbed his ear. Do you see how the, and then Jesus states his ear, and he says, and do you ever wonder? I've just got a crazy imagination. Did Jesus think I'm going to reattach his ear, but I'm going to reattach it somewhere where it wasn't when it got cut off? I'm going to put it on the end of his nose. I'm going to turn it upside down. I'm going to turn it up so that if it rains, he's got a perpetual earache. You know, what? But Jesus, I mean, he put it and, and he restored. It. And right in that moment, he performed a miracle. And Jesus is like, no, Simon Peter, stop. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No. Put up your sword. If you fight by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. By the way, I could ask the Father to send thousands of angels and get us out of this mess right now. But that would not fulfill the Father's plan. So there are times when Jesus simply will not perform a miracle because it stands in the way of a higher purpose that God has. Dr. David Lehman is a brilliant theologian, and he has written this. It is God's will to heal unless God has a higher will for the immediate situation. That is to say, God always desires the best for us that we might glorify him most effectively. Let me give you a third reason why Jesus, sometimes he just wouldn't perform a miracle. Sometimes... Jesus would not perform a miracle when people were steeped in unbelief. When people were just steeped in unbelief, no faith. Now, primarily, I could give you some examples, but primarily, this was true in his own hometown. You read the Bible sometimes. You read the story. You read the Gospels. In fact, if you're a new Christian and you're like, where do I start reading? You know, I mentioned earlier when I was a teenager giving out the Gospel of John, starting John's Gospel. And you can go back to Matthew and pick up Matthew, Mark, Luke. But start in John's gospel and just read through. And, and you're going to notice that in the gospels that Jesus went to his own home. Jesus had been doing all of these miracles everywhere. But he goes to his own hometown. He goes to an all, his own hometown. And he doesn't perform any miracles in his own hometown. Why not? Because of unbelief. 
because people are like, they're absolutely refusing to believe that he was the son of God. They're like, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? We know his mom. We know his siblings. We know. And then they were so steeped in their unbelief that Jesus said, I'm just not going to do any miracles there. Now, I want to tell you something. Listen, we don't always talk about this the way that we should because we sometimes see abuses in the faith movement. That's all I'm going to say about that. But I want to go on record saying to you that our faith really matters to our God. I got three amens, all right? So, okay. So, I can tell you're really into this. So, wow, you're fully engaged. Let me say it again because I don't think you've heard me. Our faith really matters to our God. As you and I journey through the New Testament, you cannot miss that reality that Jesus is moved whenever a person has great faith. Jesus is moved. Now, I could show you examples for the rest of this time that we have together, but there's other things I want to cover. So let me just show you uh, quickly. I'll show you about three of these as well. So uh, three quick examples where Jesus responded to a person's faith. Most of you are familiar with this story. We've touched on it here before. It's a woman with the issue of blood. Uh, Most people believe that she had something that was actually called menorrhagia, which was a blood flow issue that had gone on for a long period of time. Uh, It was bothersome. She spent all her money, been to all, no help, nothing. And then look at what happens. Look at this. It's Matthew 9. Jesus turned around. She reached out and touched him. and, And Jesus turned around. And when he saw this woman with the issue of blood, he said, Daughter, be encouraged. Look at this phrase. In fact, read it with me, everybody. Your faith has made you well. Our faith matters to our God. Our faith matters to our God. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. Another example. Here's an example of a guy that is not only blind, but he's very desperate. He's like crying out to Jesus. Jesus, would you heal me? I want to see. I want to be able to function with my vision. Look at this. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, teacher, I want to see again. So obviously he had lost his vision. He had been able to see at one point. There's people in the Bible who are born blind, but obviously this guy was not. Jesus told him, go your, read this phrase with me. Your faith has made you well because our faith matters to our God. Your faith has made you well. Once he could see again, and he followed Jesus on the road. A lot of you are familiar with the story of the centurion. This is not on the screen, but the centurion who went to Jesus, and he had a servant that he wanted to be healed. And he said, Jesus, I'm a man under authority, and I have men that are, men that are under me. And, and then he says this. He said, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And when he said that, he said, Jesus, you know what he's saying? Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. You don't, you know, you don't have to make a special trip. You know, you don't have to anoint him. You don't have to lay your hands on him. You don't have to do anything. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And you know what it says? It said, when Jesus heard this, he was, and it's not often found in the the Bible. It says, Jesus was amazed. Do you know, in regards to faith, Jesus was amazed on two different fronts, Sometimes he was amazed by people, just like the woman with the issue of blood, just like the centurion, just like the blind man. He was amazed by their faith, and he healed accordingly, and he was amazed at the measure of their faith. For um, other people, he was like amazed at their unbelief, like in his own hometown. Our faith matters to our God. Now, in speaking of faith, do you ever have times when your faith is registering quite low? Do you ever have those times? Okay, just me. All right, I'll do. Anybody else? 
Like the low fuel light on your car, it's just, you ever feel like your faith like that? Oh, there it is. Low faith. Low faith. Maybe you're staring at a huge mountain in your personal life these days. And as you stand in the shadows of a massive obstacle in your health, as some of you are facing that now, or maybe it's in your mind, or maybe it's in your heart, or maybe it's in your emotion, and you know, you know that in no way does the measure of your faith match the massiveness of your mountain. So what do you do in cases like that? So what do you do? Do you just say, well, you know, faith matters to God, and I don't have it. You know, the, the low faith indicator is on in my life right now because I don't feel like I have, so obviously I'm not going to receive a miracle. I'm not, I'm not a person who is eligible for a miracle because my faith is, like, really tiny. Well, let me give you a little hope right here. I want you to look at this scripture. It matters a whole lot. Look at this. If you have faith, this is the words of Jesus. Look at this phrase. If you have faith, how small? As small as a mustard seed, little bitty faith, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So a lot of times, and this really bothers me, and I, I'm, it's all I'm going to say about it, I'm going to move on. A lot of times I hear people say, well, this didn't happen because somebody didn't have enough faith. And if they had had enough faith, and it's like puts guilt and burdens on people that God never intended. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, if they had just had enough faith, it's like it's all up to you. And if you didn't have enough faith and all of that, does faith matter to God? Faith matters to God. But I'm just telling you, friends, sometimes our faith is registering really low. And Jesus said, when you have moments like that, does that mean that you're no longer qualified to receive a miracle? And he said, not at all. He said, if you have faith the size of a little bitty mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it shall be done. Now, there's a guy in the Bible that he's the only guy that I know of in the Bible that his name is Jeff. Now, it doesn't say his name's Jeff, but he's so much like me or I'm so much like him, his name has got to be Jeff, all right? It's the only Jeff I know in the Bible. I know John and James and others, but it's the only Jeff I know because I so resonate with what he says to Jesus one, one day. Maybe you do as well. Look at this up on the screen. And he says to Jesus, because his child's very sick, he said, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can't, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. We're back to faith now. Immediately, the boy's father, what's the boy's father's name? Jeff. Jeff. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. God just revealed it to me in that moment. It's got to be. Immediately, the boy's faith. Jeff exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Is Jeff the only one that has ever felt that way? This dad, is he the only one that's ever felt this way? Or have you been there too? Lord, I need you to heal my body, and I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I've got a broken heart. This has happened in my life, and I, I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. I want to have faith enough to believe that you're able to take my heart that is so broken and heal it. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, my mind, my emotions are just so damaged, been through so much upbringing and just everything that I've experienced lately is just so traumatic. It's just playing with my emotions, pulling them every century. And God, I believe you're able to heal my mind and my emotions. Lord, I believe I have faith, but help my unbelief. We've seen today that sometimes Jesus heals powerfully, supernaturally, instantly. Other times he just says, I'm not going to do a miracle. 
He's not going to do it to prove himself. He's not going to do it. It's going to become an obstacle to get in the way of the, you know, plan of God. Somebody just has this dug in. I refuse. I believe Jesus may not heal on those occasions. He does heal, but he does not heal everyone all the time. And sometimes we're left wondering why. Now, I'm going to give you one last thought, and then we're done. We're going to pray. One last thought, and I would be negligent on my part not to mention it. The highest purpose of Jesus, all right, you with me? Wave at me if you're with me. The highest purpose of Jesus for coming into this world was not to heal our body, but to save our soul. All right? Can I just tell you this? If you're healed, and I pray that that's going to happen, one day you're still, if Jesus doesn't come back, you're going to pass away at some point. You're not going to live forever. And, and you're, you know, maybe you're going to be the exception, but I'm not expecting any of us to be translated in, instantly as Elijah was. I'm, I'm not thinking that's going to happen. Lazarus was healed from the dead. But how many of you know he had to go back to the cemetery a second time? So the highest purpose of Jesus is not to heal, although he heals. And he, and this is what I firmly believe. I've been praying a lot about this. There are those of you this morning that you're going to receive a healing in your body, in your mind, in your heart. But as long as we remember, that is not his highest purpose. His highest purpose is to save our soul. David Leem, I go back to him just for a quick moment. In that same book I mentioned to you earlier, he says this, although total healing is included in the atonement, meaning the death and crucifixion sacrifice of Jesus, clearly God's first and ultimate goal is the salvation of people and their being made into the image of his son. So here's what we're going to do. Those of you that are here and you're not yet a Christian, I want you to ask Jesus to save your soul. That's the greatest miracle. People say, I I just don't see miracles today. Can I tell you every time, every time, every time a person gives their life to Jesus, how many of you know that's the greatest miracle of all? And that can happen today. You can ask Jesus to come into your heart. You can pray and you can say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cause me to be a a brand new person in you. Give me the power to follow you. Like Paul, where I'm weak, you're going to make me strong. Admit to God that you're a sinner. Ask him for forgiveness. Invite Jesus into your life. Because God's highest purpose in sending Jesus into this world was to save our soul. But we're going to do more than that today. In these remaining moments that we have together, let's ask Jesus to heal our body. Let's ask Jesus to heal our heart. Let's ask Jesus to heal our mind. Can we do that? In fact, we're going to do it this way because there's going to be a lot of you that are going to stand. I know this is going to happen. I know it. And a lot of you are going to be touched. And a lot of you are going to be healed. Faith matters to God. I'm going to encourage you to express your faith. Believe as you stand to your feet in just a moment that today is going to be the day that Jesus is going to heal you. But if you say, my faith is not that big, we'll just remember Jeff out of the New Testament. Lord, I believe, but sometimes I struggle to believe. If you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your mind, 
If you need healing from a broken heart, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Just stand right up. Don't wait for any. Just stand right up, right up, right up. Stand, 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 stand. You need healing. All right? Just stand. And that's a lot. And I knew we wouldn't be able to get everybody down here in this tiny area. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to come to you. And I want those of you that are in your seat right now, if you're in your seat, I want you to turn around and I want you to look for somebody that's in front of you or beside you or behind you because everybody that is standing, I want somebody to go to them. And there's a lot of people standing. I knew there would be. So if there's, you know, if you need to put your hand you know, on the shoulder of a couple of people, that's fine, but we're going to pray together. But I'm not going to pray until everybody has somebody standing with them. So I want you to move around right now. The rest of you, before you stand, look, find the person you're going to go to, and I want you to go to them right now. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. If you see somebody around you, you go to them. Everybody, if you didn't stand because you need healing, you need to stand because you're going to be praying. And I want you to go to somebody. And you may have to put your hands on a couple of people, but I want us to do that right now. Jesus is able to heal today. Do you believe that? Jesus is able to touch today. And we're going to pray this morning. I want you to pray for that person. You may say, well, I don't pray out loud. That's fine. You don't have to pray out loud. Just pray silently. That's all right. God's going to hear your prayer. And I want you to just, while the band does this song, I want you, whether you're praying for them softly, out loud, or you're just praying for them silently, I want you to pray for them, and we're going to believe that Jesus is going to heal. And then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to pray one big prayer before we're done. So you start praying for them right now. You just pray.
One movement from Jesus is more than enough. It was enough for the woman with the issue of blood. It was enough for the blind man. It was enough for the centurion servant. It is enough for us. And you know, friends, I believe, I believe, I believe that Jesus has healed many, many people right here in this place today. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. Now, some of you, you've been healed in your body. Some of you have been healed in your emotions. Some of you have been healed in your heart. And you may say, is it, is it instantaneously? Uh, a lot of times it's instantaneous. He, he just does it supernaturally, instantaneously. Sometimes it's progressive in nature. And we always want it to be instantaneous. But sometimes it's like God, who began a good work, the scripture says, is able to bring it forth into a day of completion. And he's able to do that. And so we believe. There's too many scriptures. Bible says that God is able to descend upon us with healing in his wings. I love this scripture that says it's by his stripes. Peter said this, that we were healed. Past tense. His atonement. We were already healed. Jesus already made provision for our healing. And I believe he's healed many of you today. Father, we thank you for that today. Jesus, you are a healing Jesus. And we receive it from you even now in your name. And everybody said, let's give him a hand clap of praise. Can we do it? Thank you, Jesus. I love you, everybody. See you right back here next Sunday.